Bulls Gold is delivered to you via the Barroom Network, now in its seventh year of providing podcasts about Chicago sports, movies, and more. Make sure to subscribe to the Barroom Network for free and easy downloads of its programming. And visit its merchandising store at deepdishtees.com to purchase t-shirts, hoodies, and mugs. Now, on with the show. I'm Edward Schuler. Joined as always by Salim Sudawala. Salim, how are you doing today, man? Hey, Ed, I am doing fantastic. Uh, it is weather's finally picking up, so that's been a bonus. Chicago is beautiful again. Uh, nice summer coming up. Obviously, the playoffs are happening. Um, I got Jimmy G Buckets continues to torment <laughs> his opponents. Uh, guys think that they can. Uh, Say some mess to Jimmy, and then you know they forget who he is. Uh, he's already uh, he's already had so many memeable moments too in, in these oh. in these playoffs, like uh, like the faces he's making at Grant Williams. Like well, yesterday yesterday he was like sitting laying down and pointing at him uh, when he was on the ground, and then he did that. He like he didn't forget when Horford uh, did that little timeout thing after after like a made bucket. So then he he did that to Horford. Like you know it's. Uh, Jimmy's being Jimmy, dominating. Yeah. I'm happy. I'm I'm hoping my guy can get a ring. Like, I know, I know. I'm not. I'm 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 rooting for uh, obviously a Nuggets and Heat finals, but like, I won't be mad if like the Nuggets win because I I love Jokic. But like, man, if Jimmy can get that ring. I'll be like so ecstatic. I'll be in cloud nine. Yeah, I'll uh, be happy. Yeah, I mean, this has been <laughs> this has been such an entertaining like just postseason for Jimmy and Miami. And it's just insane that we're going to see an eight seed in the NBA finals. And just, just what he's just been doing is just like you said, we're just getting memes. We're getting these Jordan type moments in terms of uh, <laughs> don't poke for bear and Grant Williams. Right. It's like <laughs> the Grant Williams thing is just going to be something we'll talk about for a long, long time. It's just, yeah, it's just insane that this Miami team, is a win away from the NBA finals and uh obligatory oh. obligatory uh <laughs> reminder that uh yes this Bulls team did beat Miami three times in the regular season. Yeah, I mean they beat the Nuggets too, so I guess yeah. we could uh AK is bringing this baby back, man. He's uh he's gonna run it back. He's just gonna go add like, you know, who's who's some uh Goran Dragic level twelfth man uh for depth. <laughs> we're gonna lose like I don't know Poppy Io because uh, yeah. we can't afford him, <laughs> and then and then uh, maybe lose Kobe. I don't know, but like you know, you can add some like you know whatever, and the big three is back, and we're gonna finish uh, thirty nine and forty three next season. I don't know. I'm I'm just begging everyone, please don't go back and listen to a show where we where I I think I said that yeah, I would prefer that we play the uh, Miami Heat at some point in the play in. I mean. 
<laughs> I think I said it too. I like uh, Jimmy was great, but like the rest of the team looked so old. Like they didn't look good. Uh, I don't know what's it, 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 they flipped a switch. That's for sure. And you know, you always the funny thing is like like I don't know why I forget like suppose the coach too. It was like I was like that he's the way that, that guy's an all time great. Like he belongs up there with like when you name it all time great coaches. Yeah. Like he belongs up there with like guys like, you know, uh Pat Riley, um Pop, all those Perfect. guys. He belongs up there, man. Like he he's elite of the elites. Yeah. Yeah, it, he's up there, and uh, yeah, th- this this has been a really great postseason, and the fact that we're getting a very unlikely NBA Finals matchup potentially on the horizon is just extremely fascinating. But th- there's been so much happening in the basketball world. It is we're I think we're about a month away exactly from the NBA draft. The Chicago Bulls did not move up into the top four, unfortunately. Um, the Charlotte Hornets were a, a pick away from Victor uh, Wimanyama, but alas, the Hornets are a uh, curse. So the San Antonio Spurs, the, uh, the winners of every time they tank getting a, an NBA Hall of Fame talent, uh, just a sh- extremely efficient tankers, uh, probably the best there is. But yeah, th- there's so much going on with the NBA draft and there's the Chicago Bulls look from the outside in with like the Squidward meme with SpongeBob and Patrick outside playing. Uh, We're going to find out and see if they end up doing anything with the draft. Do they trade in? Do they buy a draft pick? Who knows? But there are bound to be a lot of draft rumors to get Bulls fans. Some of that draft itch that we're definitely going to be, that we're definitely going to have. So, uh, again, who who better to talk to about the NBA draft, about the Chicago Bulls, and what they may or may not do uh, during the draft and during the offseason than one of our good friends. He is phenomenal at all things NBA draft. He works harder than anyone on this planet, I think, with the NBA draft. He is fantastic at what he does. Long time uh I can't even think of how many times he's been on here, but he's been on here a ton. Town anymore? <laughs> yeah, we we can't even get a number anymore. But you know him, you love him. He's just fantastic overall. From those ceilings, Corey Saloba. Corey, welcome back, man. Fellas, it's good to be back. Um, what an exciting time of the year. Not for the Bulls right now, uh, but for basketball enjoyers, it's a very exciting time of the year. Uh, exciting time of the year. If, if you're a, a fan of the draft, again, Bulls right now, not involved, but we were talking off air. There might be some opportunities for them to get back into the draft. So I uh, appreciate you guys for having me on. Um, I am going to keep coming on as long as you're asking me. So. Man, we're going to keep asking. One day you're going to be working for like ESPN or something, and we're definitely going to hit you up, man. The big, it's going to be Corey, Corey Tulliba. You're going to be, you know, yelling at Stephen A in the morning on first take. And then, uh, and then we're going to have you on later just to record this Rinky Ding podcast and get your takes on, on all things drafts and NBA. So, uh, we, we, we're holding you to that, man. <laughs> as long as JJ Reddick's there with me, I, I think I'll be able to stomach the the Stephen A. talk. You <laughs> might be coaching soon, though, which is that's true. Yeah, <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, that could be. You need to call up one of these. Uh, these teams could uh, use you, man. <laughs> sure. Let's 
Let, let's start there though. Let's start with let's start with the Bulls current draft situation. No draft picks. The first going to Orlando, the second round pick forfeited in I think that's forfeited in the Lonzo Ball. Great. Um, is that the one that's forfeited, I believe? Yeah, no, the, yeah. I think they were uh, had to give that up, yeah, for the penalty. Okay, yeah, okay. So no picks because of that. So right now, Corey, and and I we were talking before we started recording about this, but if you're a Chicago Bulls right now, where do you really begin on draft night? Are you are you looking at like and, and we've talked about like different routes this team can go in terms of do you blow it up? Do you retool? Like, how are you bre- breaking up the big three? So if if you're approaching draft night right now as the Chicago Bulls, what are the most likely options you're looking at to potentially participate in the draft? Are you looking at trading current players like a Zach Levine, like a DeMar Rosen to see if you can get a first round pick in this draft? I, I don't know if Alex Caruso could get you a first. I think we talked about that before. Or are you potentially looking at buying a second round pick? I mean, there are teams who have multiple second round picks that you could potentially uh, purchase one for or uh, trade for those as well. So what would you say is like a, a, a good approach to this to this this draft night for the Chicago Bulls right now? I I would be preparing for everything being on the table. Um, you know, they're obviously the way the, the draft shook out uh shook out with the top three picks, you know, Portland and Charlotte both moving up. Um I think that one of those picks is going to be on the table, uh, probably that Portland pick. And to be honest, I think even that Rockets pick at four could be on the table. They're a team. They owe Oklahoma City their pick unprotected next year. Um, and there's a lot of hardened smoke. So, you know, if if you're trying to be good next year and you're confident that you're going to get James Harden, like maybe that fourth pick is on the table. So maybe there are a couple of top five picks that are on the table. I at least want to be prepared for that scenario. Um, and if you can get one of those picks and, and you're the front office and you've been scouting this draft and you feel comfortable with a, a rebuild, maybe – that's how you start it in a really, really strong draft with a lot of star potential at the top. And then whatever kind of future asset you can get beyond that. And if that's the case, and that's probably trading Zach, then I think you just straight up blow it up and you don't tread water and do that thing where you end up with the seventh pick in the draft. You got to give yourself the best odds and you're prepared for having uh, a couple of years of being bad and getting yourself into the, uh, you know, the boozer business, which the Bulls have been in before, but this time I think it would be uh, a little bit more rewarding. Um, a couple of years when Cam right. Boozer is, you know, <laughs> basically like Paulo Boncaro with a jump shot. Um, so uh, that that's definitely an option I think need they need to consider. And then the other option, if if they want to keep this together, and maybe Lonzo's knee is healing better than we all think. And they have that Intel and they know, and they want to keep, you know, uh, Lonzo, Zach and DeMar together. Maybe you, you buy a pick from the Charlotte Hornets or the Indiana Pacers and you, you get yourself somebody who can contribute right away. I think you have to prepare for all of it. And for the next, uh, month, you have to be having those conversations for hours on end every day, breaking down every single scenario. Um, and keeping everything on the table because 
on on one hand, I think as we see with this heat run and the Celtics kind of, you know, in this uh, scenario where they're imploding and, you know, who knows with Milwaukee, um, Middleton doesn't look like he's the same guy. They have Giannis, so that's always a great starting point. But, you know, the, the NBA could be wide open, so maybe they think, hey, we can some moves on the fringes in the draft and then we could figure out some stuff in free agency and trades and let's go for it. Or they're just like, Hey, let's just, we got to blow this thing completely up. There's no sense being in the middle here. And uh, let's try to prepare for the next few years. Everything's got to be on the table. The bulls are in no kind of situation being in that playoff uh, play in eighth seed type team to be like, nothing's changing. Like you, you got to, there's some direction they have to pick and just kind of, I think go all in. Cause this treading water thing, I, I just, you know, I, I think the it's just not good. It's not a good look right now. Right. Yeah. As you know, we've heard rumors about all over the place. I was the most recent ones being with them trying to, you know, get into the third top three or whatever. Uh, they've been, been interviewing guys like Brandon uh, Miller. They've interviewed Scoot um, and other uh, guys that are in that top three, five range. Um, and then we've heard rumors like, you know, interested in Christian Wood, DeAndre Ayton. Um, like, I think they have to have a big shakeup move. Like, you can't and, – and it can't just be like a sign-and-trade vooch for Christian Wood type of thing, you know? Like, you can't do that. Uh, that's not enough because that's just a very, like, mad move. Like, Christian Wood is not – like, he's a, he'll be more of an improvement as a shooter, more a reliable shooter than vooch. But there's downgrades elsewhere, and it's kind of you're kind of just uh, you know creating a smaller uh, another hole to fix the shooting aspect. You just, you're not really doing much there with a move like that. So you definitely have to shake it up and and think big move. And I'm I'm hoping like them talking to these prospects, I'm kind of hoping, I'm not getting my hopes up that something will happen like that, but I'm, I'm hoping that that's the idea that AK and Eversley have where they're like, okay, we're going to go in and if Zach has to be moved to make this happen, let's do it. Like, and again, this is not a thing on Zach. I'm not, I'm not anti-Zach. I think we all are pretty pro Zach for the most part. Like we, we understand his talent. We understand what he's great at. Um, and that is valuable to a lot of teams in this league as as a number two scorer on a, on a really good title like contender uh, if he has a legit number one. Um, but it's it's tough for the Bulls to continue to try to win with Zach at this point because the assets are so limited. The, the well is dry at this point, and they don't have a lot of wiggle room and cap wise. Uh, obviously, ownership is not committed to paying luxury tax to keep guys for a team that's, you know, maybe a playoff team. So the when you when you're when you're essentially your back's against a wall, the move has to be let's make major changes. Um yeah, that I mean that's essentially my thought. Like I, I like if they do like something like Christian Wood and DeAndre Ayton, I just would be like this is just dumb. Uh, I mean yeah, what, what I, are your your thoughts on that? That if if they trade for Christian Wood, I might not watch a single game <laughs> yeah, this year. Like <laughs> every coach that coaches him hates him. Like it's he's gonna look skilled, and you're gonna 
always wonder like, oh, if he just puts it together, he's just one of those guys that like won't put it together until, you know, he's in his whatever year in the league coming off the bench and he finds something finally clicks on the right team in the right scenario. This is not that team. Uh, DeAndre Ayton, I don't see how he helps the Bulls more than Vooch did, you know, like um, not to say that Ayton, like I think Ayton on the right team is a great piece, but you gotta, he's gotta be like the last piece maybe that could help offer something different. I think it's a give and take though, because like Ayton will be a better rim protector, but you're giving up shooting, you're giving up rebounding. Um, yeah, he just doesn't so, push. He doesn't push the yeah, Bulls into no. a different tier necessarily. Right. You know, like he's a good player um, who has his warts. He, but he, he's he's a good player. He just doesn't do anything to, you know, give the Bulls the boost that they need into that next tier of of the East. Um, yeah. I I mean, the Bulls are just in a tough spot, man. The the fact of the matter is, is like Lonzo's knee injury really, really torpedoed the plan uh because if you know lonzo was healthy i i truly think this team maybe could have a run in in this eastern conference but it's just this dead cap that is just up in the air and if you keep the the gang together it's you're just always gonna wonder well if lonzo comes back you know like is is he gonna be able to come back and push the bulls over just like the bulls waited for derrick rose all those years and um so i I don't know what assets the Bulls have though to get that piece that's better than a DeAndre. Ayton. Like I don't even know if the Bulls could get a DeAndre Ayton. Like I don't know. Do the Suns? Right. You know, I, I mean, maybe they want Vooch. Maybe a sign. You know, like I don't. I don't know. I mean, I think they would do like Pat and some other stuff for like that because Pat would be really good. Sure. In Phoenix, like he would have. He didn't need like big wings, big three fours that can really come in and shoot and kind of do all those little play good defense and things like that, be plus on the defensive end. Uh, but again, you're, you're, you're wasting like t- talent, young talent that, you know, granted Pat right now, I like, he's, he's kind of more viewed as a, a solid two way, like a three and D type of player, but a young player that's probably still has some more potential in him. And the, and the, and he doesn't like net you, he doesn't have the value that nets you like a big thing, but, but you don't want to trade someone like that for some kind of minimal gain uh, for, for this roster. It doesn't make sense. Like you, what are you really gaining from trading a 21 year old kid that could potentially still be a pretty good player? I mean, I'm not saying he's going to be a star, but like he could still be a pretty good player. And what's the point of, having some kind of minimal gain on this roster where you blow a chance at this kid developing further and then you kick yourself like, great, we gave this guy kid up uh, and we basically got, you know, Aiden who is an okay guy that didn't really make us that much better. Yeah. I, I think like the more and more we talk about what paths this team can take, the more and more I do think that a rebuild is going to happen at some point, even though like I'm not really interested in seeing it again. But I, I think for me, the thing that I'm thinking about this offseason more and more is really just like you're we're watching as we watch the NBA playoffs, like we're seeing so many different identities succeed. Like you look at 
and we've talked about this before, but you look at the Lakers, right? And we all know like how the Lakers become the Lakers. They make big trades, they sign big free agents, and they figure it out later. We look at Miami and Miami, this heat culture thing, like they they just they have a great coach. They develop players as, as good as anyone. They they win on the margins as good as anyone. Like they 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 play with a mentality with their like players and that the buy-in that they get from their locker room as good as anyone. Uh, even though Boston is potentially about to get swept, like you look at how Boston has been built just in like through a draft and smart trades and and things like that. Like Denver, something similar, like drafting well, winning on the margins. Like I I just want to know what whatever what 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 are the Bulls going to do to win? with this regime like what is going to be their thing what is going to be the thing for ak and eversley like are they going to be really good at trading are they going to be really good at signing free agents are they going to be really good at developing are they going to be really good at some sort of culture like i just i need a thing and i i think Corey's right here that like whatever that thing was it was just torpedoed by lonzo ball uh injury but I, I, hopefully whatever path they choose and maybe if they end up getting some picks, we might be getting closer to this, but I just need some sort of thing that they're going to be good at and that we can like just bank on them going forward. I, I think that's really the, that's really the element that's missing here. So, uh, I mean, they did swing yeah. when they, right? Like yeah. it, it doesn't seem like it. Cause the last year and a half has been so, disheartening or mediocre but like they swung with pat like that was a swing this is a guy who was not projected to go on the top five at any point until basically a few days Mm. before the draft if not even draft night because it was really his high was seven to the pistons at the time and then the the bull stuff just started heating up like the day of or day before that was a swing that was something that nobody expected um the the Lonzo slash Demar Derozan free agency bonanza, a swing. Most people thought the Demar deal was bad. I think you know while it hasn't led to a ton of success, I think he's lived up to his contract and he's done his part. Right, the Vooch trade was a swing, swing and a miss, obviously at this point. But you know it was a swing. I think one that we were you know most people were like pretty on board. It wasn't like it didn't necessarily get killed at the time. Um. They just haven't swung because I I don't think there were any pitches worth swinging for last year with with Alonzo up in the air. So I, again, though, they do need to pick a direction because you can only hang your head on on those moves for so long before it's like, all right, well, now what do we do? This is the the cards we've been dealt. Now we have to play the hand. So it, it's going to be interesting to to see what direction they choose. Yeah, and like. The other thing is, like, I really want to see some of what from AK's, like, prior prior home in Denver. Like, I, I would love to see some of that start to come into play a little bit more in terms of, like, Salim's talked about it a lot. Like, in terms of those, like, margin moves, in terms of just being able to just, like, build teams a little bit more cohesively. Like like you said, they, they, they definitely have tried and they, they had a vision for a team and that team looked really good and we saw – a lot of it come together for like that half season and now everything's cut short. 
And I, I guess this like last year and a half where they really just haven't done anything. They've just been kind of like they they've been a little like cap, but they've also kind of just chosen to just kind of like stay where they are too. So it's just kind of weird combination. But yeah, like I I don't know. Like I, I just want to like see some see something, you know, like something where I'm just like, yo, they're gonna do this as good as anyone in the league going forward or better. And you know, maybe it's like the player type. I don't know. Like, maybe it's just a, like the player development would be a really nice start. Like it, at one point, like this Bulls team or this Bulls franchise used to develop players really well. Like I would yeah, love to see them kind of get back to some of that. Um, Kind of kind of on that same note, when we when we think back to like a to, to last year's draft with the Dale and Terry pick and he didn't play a whole lot this year uh which i think was kind of expected with like such a vet like a veteran heavy team and a team trying to compete for a playoff spot overall like a year later Corey, how do you how do you feel about this pick do you think that dalen terry still has room to be a pretty solid player overall like what do you think his upside is do you think that he's going to be someone who is a, a decent contributor next season. Like what, what do you think about this pick later and how it could potentially play out? I mean, it, it doesn't, it doesn't shock me at all that he wasn't getting a ton of minutes this year. Um, he was one of those guys who like didn't even know if he was going to be in the draft um, last year. Like it, I, I know that his, his coach was telling him not to, uh, enter the draft. Yeah. So I, he's one of those guys. He just, he had like a great end of the year. He has NBA type tools and it was like, Hey, I think I could be a first round pick. Um, but he's the type of first round pick where like, it's going to take some time. You know, it, when, when he was in college an NBA exec told me like, I think he might be Arizona's best prospect. And that was a team with Ben Matherin on, on um, his team. So, and obviously, like Matherin has, I think is we can clearly see as a rookie, like he's going to be a probably a better player than Dalen is. But like Dalen does have a lot of skills that NBA teams look for with like plus positional size. He's got good feel as a passer. He's competitive. He's going to be able to defend multiple positions. And then it's just like, all right, let's hope the shot comes along. If the shot comes along. This is a kid who's going to, you know, be a hell of a player. Um, I still think he's going to be a good player. It hurts a little bit that like. Tari Eason, AJ Griffin, Mark Williams, uh, you know, Jalen Duran, Jalen Williams. You know, these are all like the, the the five picks before. But really, if you look after Dalen, outside of Walker Kessler, um, who was a very contentious prospect, somebody that I wasn't really sure was gonna translate, like I wasn't very high on him. Um, and this is a guy who like broke the college block percentage record. And I was like, I don't know how he's going to look when he's got a switch. Right. And obviously like swing and a miss by me in my evaluation, but he also went 22nd. So a lot of teams felt like that. But if you look at who is taken after Dalen, it's like Jake LaRavia. I like Jake a lot. I think he's going to be a really good player. Spent most of his year in the G league. Malachi Branham. I'd probably rather have Dalen, uh, Christian Brown, like, He's an older guy, like he's filling a role on a good team, but you're probably seeing pretty much the type of player he's ultimately going to be like, doesn't have a high David Roddy. Like who are you? You know, it's not like you look at anybody the rest of the draft outside of 
Kessler and you're like, man, I can't believe, you know, we took Dalen over him. Dalen's a guy, he needs time to develop. He needs the right team context, construct, opportunity. Um, I think he's a guy that you have to be patient for. But to me, there's reason to be patient for him because I do think there's a lot that he can offer a team. Um, and if the Bulls go rebuild mode, it'll probably be faster than we were expecting him to uh, see a ton of minutes. But he's also a guy that I could see at some point this year, you know, getting some minutes. And I think when you have guys who, who have the kind of versatility and and feel that he has, you know, it's a good starting point and those guys bring value. It's just that, you know, you look up and down the bulls roster, there's not a lot of three point shooting. He's kind of guy that like, if there was some three point shooting on the team, he'd probably also look a lot better with being able to get in the paint and make plays for shooters and stuff like that. So maybe not the best developmental context for him, but I, I still, I still buy in him as a prospect and a player. Uh, so here's my issue with the whole, like, not issue, I have to say, like, my frustrations with AK. Like, so, like, Dale and Terry, I, I, I'm, I'm with you. Like, I like the things, like, the things that you pointed out about his ability to pass, his feel for passing, his, his defensive versatility. I mean, outside of the shooting, he's also going to have to, like, kind of add some um, um, some strength onto his body so he can be that versatile defender. Um but yeah, you see, and obviously the energy, it's, it's, it's contagious. Like though he comes on the court and you, you know, he's on the court, like regardless if he has a box score number yet, he, you, you know, Dalen's doing something, making, you know, some kind of disruption. Um, the issue with me is that like, when you look at AK's draft philosophy, say, so, okay. And, and, and the way he's trying to build this team, the other, on the other aspects of with the, being more aggressive and trying to make win now moves as far as, you know, the way he formed like the big three, if you will, um, and doing like getting out and getting Lonzo ball and trying to win games and be a playoff team. It's like, can you afford to take a guy like Dalen at that point when you're saying, okay, I need to, we're trying to get guys that can help us win at this point, at this minute, right away. And then you're getting guys that need minutes. <laughs> you need Dalen needs minutes reps uh to develop like it's like that oh, it's, a, it's a, i get like you want to take the best prospect but at the same time it's like where where do you draw the line of saying well we're gonna take a guy that is a dalen who needs to you know a lot of seasoning a lot of you know tender love and care in a sense but never play him <laughs> How, where you know, that's my fr- frustration with that. And, like, where are you at with that? It's like, I, I feel like that's a big mis- issue that we have. I, I just think it's one of those things. It's One, it's like, I, I think the front offices and the, the coaching staff are never going, like, it, it's going to be really exciting to get a player. But, like, at the end of the day, the coaching staff is usually going to trust vets. Um, And you can say, like, oh, maybe get, like, win now guys. So maybe you could argue to take a Christian Brown, but like he doesn't help the bull spacing issues at all. And he might do some things to get him on the court, but I don't know if he's like helping the bulls win games necessarily. I just, I don't really think there were like, I don't think you could point to anybody else in the draft and be like, that guy would have helped the bulls with the goal. So maybe you say, maybe they, they trade the pick for a player 
and and that's the uh, route or, you go. or like kessler you said you know or yeah you like, take kessler but it. again kessler had questions you know it's not kessler wasn't this sure thing like it's easy to see in hindsight but like he had to transfer to auburn you know because it wasn't necessarily working out in north carolina and then if you look at him like he's got stiff hips and you figure in nba spacing and now he's got to guard all of these downhill quick twitchy guards like maybe he just gets cooked and he can't he's like unplayable um so like yeah it, it in hindsight it's like god like yeah we should have taken kessler and even as a backup for vooch like that would have been great gives you a different look and and now it affords you the opportunity maybe we trade vooch in the season whatever but you go down the line it's like all right well i don't know 18 teams maybe should have thought that way potentially yeah. you know so i don't the, playing the draft game there are times where you're definitely like hey why this was an insane pick i don't think last year's draft was like that and but and and ak they definitely have a philosophy on the draft if you look at io you look at Pat Williams, you look at Dalen, like they're all guys who can defend, you know, um, have some positional versatility, you think have some playmaking feel to them. Um, so he definitely has a type in the draft so far, which is, you know, interesting to monitor potentially going forward. But, uh, so I, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, last year's draft, I look at it, I'm like, I think it's just a wait and see with Dalen. It is. If you want a guy who's going to, you know, contribute early on, it's not going to be a rookie. So like if, if that was the goal, it probably should have been, let's trade out of the draft, see what kind of value we can get for the 18th pick, which is middle of the first round. Like those guys, you could probably get a pretty decent player for, for that. Um, I mean, I'm not a cap guy. I don't know what that would have, you know, if we, how we make that work. Uh, but I don't know. It's a wait and see. You know, there are guys. I like Jake Laravia. He probably would have helped more just from a spacing perspective because I think he's a good shooter. You know, uh, I mean, I I definitely had guys ahead of Dalen on my personal board that I'd have taken a shot on, but it's not like they're lighting the world on fire either. I think there would have been questions regardless of who the Bulls took, unless it was Kessler. Like I really think like he's pretty much the only guy going down the line that you look at and you go, ah, wish we could have had him. You know, yeah. maybe Jaden Hardy, you know, like he, he looked good, but, um, you know, he's also a guy that he fell to the second round, you know, so it's cause he had a, a tough year in, uh, with the ignite. So it's, that's, what's really fun about the draft though. It's like, um, it's not a science, you know, there's, it's, it's really hard to consistently get guys who could contribute right away and have like high upside and potential. Um, you don't think a guy like a Malachi, I know you said Malachi Brenham was someone that maybe you're not sure that hundred yeah. percent that you would have been, but like, I think maybe he could have come in and I know he was a better shooter in college than, and then Dalen and he was, um, but he was also like to honestly with Branham, he's the worst defensive prospect I've ever scouted. Like I, if you go and listen to the podcast I did on him last year, I eviscerate like he was. And then, so, you know, like, I don't know if he gets on the floor necessarily either because he's going to get in the game. He's going to get cooked, you know? And it's like, is he getting minutes over Caruso and Zach 
oh, or IO or yeah. it's like the same thing. You know, he's like a small guard who can shoot a little bit because he's not a high volume three point shooter either. And you know, he's a guy who who shoots in the mid range. So, you know, there it's, it's, it's hard you can go down the line. You could pick like a, a positive out of like a bunch of the prospects. Like Coloco is another guy from a rim protection perspective who would have been nice to have and give us a different look, but he went in the second round, you know? So it's like, at the end of the day, how often are these second round guys end of the first guys actually making a difference? The the hit rate on these guys is very, very low. So like mm-hmm. even, and, and like I'm a draft guy, most in every draft, it's like, maybe you get like 18 to 20 guys who stick, you know, which means most aren't. And those, and the guys towards the bottom of that 18 to 20 are like probably bouncing around the G league, you know, and don't get me wrong, you need to hit on the margins. The Heat, they hit on the margins, right? Like, And they right. get these undrafted guys. Um, I, I actually think like, um, and, and same thing for AK with the type of player that they targeted, um, but what's his name from Marquette that we, uh, Justin yeah, Lewis. Yeah, Justin Lewis. Who, who I actually really liked a lot. Like I had him as a first situation round situation with him, yeah. Yeah, like I, I thought he was an interesting prospect too who i'm still like high on um as long as you know everything healed properly i think he could be a guy that actually surprises some people for the bulls this year that's true um so you know i like it could have been a pretty solid draft it's just you know it's we're a year in and these guys are young and the, the nba is hard <laughs> and there's a lot of good players it's as talented as ever and a lot of time you got to fit you know find yourself in the right situation to get minutes right away or play with the right player who's going to make all of your strengths stronger. And I don't know if the Bulls had that. You know, the Bulls don't have, like, a guy outside of Lonzo. He was kind of that guy to, like, connect the dots and kind of make everything work, you know? Uh, DeMar's a a good playmaker, but it's really out of, like, him setting up stuff with his shot and then, like, he finds an open guy based on how the defense is reacting to it where, like, Lonzo was that guy who was keeping the ball flying all around and never letting it stick and playing with this contagious energy. The Bulls didn't really have anybody like that. And even the Bulls have probably like two guys that are good at it. One is your center. Yeah. Um, and, <laughs> and I mean, and, and Caruso is solid. He's a solid connective passer in the half court. And For I think sure. you saw like, again, we've talked about this before, but you saw a guy like Pat Bev again, who's a solid connective passer in the half court how big of a difference it made for the offense. Mm -hmm. Um, Billy being able to run certain sets or just having the ball swing more because you have a guy that is going to make a quick decision on, on getting, making the right pass Uh, instead of, you know, kind of sticking and letting DeMar and Zach end up going isolate isolation mode. Um, But yeah, no, hundred percent. Like I said, I'm, I'm, I like Dalen. I, I think he's going to be, a guy that I mean, the, the shooting is the swing, obviously. Where if he can get that sh- shot to even just as a, just as a set shot, and he doesn't have to be like a guy that off the bounce or anything like that. Yeah, if he can even just become a solid, reliable catch and shoot dude, he's gonna be in this league for a long time because of the other intangibles that he brings for sure. So I'm like I said, I, it was not about Dalen himself. It was just I was like, man, if you're gonna take guys. Or if your philosophy is win now, but then I don't know what's the point of never, 
you know, having guys just sit on the bench and mm. I'm hoping he can crack the rotation next season. Obviously, you know, there's, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a two way street. Obviously Dalen does need to, uh, I think defensive end, that's something like, I wouldn't say he struggled. I think there was like rookie issues with him defensively, yeah. understanding the speed yeah. of the game. Um, you know, obviously physicality wise, he needs to, like I said, fill out his body more. And that's something I'm sure strength wise, strength and conditioning wise, he's going to work on this off season. So, I mean, I think if he can just focus on just improving defensively and being more consistent, that is because he does have a good feel on the defensive end as well. So if he can just stay on the court with that, maybe we'll see, start seeing some of those positives start, you know, kicking in for him. Yeah. He, he's got to play next year. I mean, and, and... There's just really no way around it, but like I, I agree with you guys. I think, I, I think especially if you can improve the sh- like the the shooting on this team overall, then I think it's going to be easier for Dalen to like stand out and play his game. And I, I like the energy he plays with. I like the versatility he plays with. I think he's going to be a really good passer in this league, and I, I think he can give you like a shot in the arm with this with this team potentially, like. Yeah, he, he's definitely going to be someone that I'm I'm watching really closely, and I I think the Justin Lewis call out is really interesting too. And he's somebody I wanted to like. It, it sucks what happened with his injury because he really did seem like a player who should have went, who should have been drafted. Like good size, three point shot, was pretty solid overall. Like good athlete, like can can play on both sides. Like I thought he could have been a potential diamond in the rough. Like that, just that entire situation sucked and just was just. Oh man, but I, I, I really I, I I think when we talked about that draft last year, like it, it seemed overall like that we were pretty excited about it and we just didn't really get anything uh out of it for uh for a rookie season. And and we had the year before Io came in and you know right. took a role right away, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like he sets a bar for um you know what you expect, but like it's kind of outlier I think it was a perfect stuff. storm too with him. Like he, there's just, there was actually, you know, need because of Kobe was out and yeah, didn't have as much depth in the backcourt. And then he was able to come in and just, you know, with him, with him making the, that impact defensively right away, he was able to just kind of latch on and, and stick in the rotation. Yeah. Most second round picks don't, you know, earn and carve out a role like that as, you know, as fast as he did. And he, kudos to him he capitalized his opportunity right um mm. and you know he he kind of does a lot of similar things to Dalen in a lot of ways so it's all it's you know almost like you know Dalen has that extra barrier on top of it because he's got to then outperform io right like maybe if he was drafted the year prior he grabs the role and he's playing and you know he gets to play right away but um that similarity, it's not like he offered something so different that you move off of IO even when he was, you know, struggling at times. So I there's I still think he could be a positive asset um for the Bulls and and I, I just think we have to be patient with him. Like we'd have to be for most of the guys in this draft. I mean, 100%. you know, even Tari Eason, a pick before the Bulls, the Rockets who were trying to lose every single game you know, weren't playing him enough. Um, so it's... Maybe that's those... why, because you probably would have helped them win a couple of <laughs> oh, games. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you this, Corey. And 
it's okay if you don't have an answer, but is there like a second round or potentially undrafted player who comes to mind who you think fits the type of player that AK would really be drawn to in terms of like what we know about Io and uh, Patrick Williams and, you know, Dalen and uh, Justin Lewis. Like, is there a player that kind of like vaguely comes to mind who you think can fit, who fits that? Um, Let's see. Maybe a Jordan Walsh, uh, Julian Phillips. Um, they maybe don't have the, the, the passing necessarily that, you know, those guys did, but, you know, Jordan Walsh, six, seven, he's almost a seven, three wingspan. Um, can't shoot, but like just an absolute beast defensively. He's got to be like two fifteen. Uh, he could be one of those kind of guys. Um, I mean, I get you could probably make a case for Andre Jackson from UConn. I, I think they're a little, uh, there are some differences in, in Andre Jackson and the way he plays in the rest of those guys, but it's like kind of a mix of those guys, but also like maybe a little Lonzo too, but just like a very, very broken jump shot, like a very, very broken jump shot. Just want to make that clear. So uh, no. No hope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but he's just like one of these, he's one of those chaos agents. Um, and he was such a big part of that UConn national title team. Like, so there, there's definitely tools there, but he's also gotten some first round buzz. I, which I, I don't, I think the, the jumper is so far away that um, maybe the first round buzz is a little too much. Um, but and then the the one wild card, and I don't know what his range is, man. Uh, I've talked to executives that are kind of like he's more theoretical. I wrote about him in like a, a preseason preview piece as a guy who I think is like really interesting and could be a sleeper. But there's a guy, Bobby Clintman, who played for Wake Forest. He averaged like five points a game this year. Um, but he had like a really good FIBA run with the Swedish national team. And uh, he is a guy that, Kevin O'Connor from the ringer reported like hold out of the combine um, completely. And then he like moved him up to like 15 on his mock draft. Oh, wow. uh, so like, I don't know what kind of Intel Kevin O'Connor got, but it seems to be that like somebody probably promised him, but at the same time, the people I've spoken to are like, yeah, really interesting. I don't know if he's more of a theoretical guy or, or what. And again, he, he averaged five points a game this year. Um, as a as a freshman, so I I don't know if a team is going to take that kind of guy as early as Kevin O'Connor thinks they are. But he's like six ten and he shot thirty nine percent from three. He calls himself the Swede Freak. Definitely looks like Giannis in some respects. Um, I think he was like fifteen ten and five in the FIBA tournament, something like that. Like he's really interesting, but like he's a project. He's probably the the closest to the kind of guy. Um, that that AK likes in in that respect, but again, according to Kevin O'Connor, he could go fifteen. Other mock drafts, you probably see him closer to like forty five, fifty ish range. I, you know, it's his his range is he's the wild card of the draft. A sweet freak. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, 
we'll get more into the draft in general. So, you know, not Bulls related. Like, I want to ask you something because I'm I, I'm losing my mind over this. Like, <laughs> there's conversations about obviously first pick. You know, first pick's gonna be. That's not. There's there's nothing to really talk about there. Um, but you have Charlotte at the second pick, and when Ed was talking about Charlotte, you know, they missed out on Victor. But it's like, listen, man, they're still gonna. They still have the opportunity to get a really damn great prospect. Where if 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 uh, Wembyama wasn't in this draft, he's a no-brainer number one pick. And I'm like losing my mind. It's like, why are they considering passing on him? Like, you can play him and Lamelo together and have a dynamic backcourt for the next five ten years. They're they're both smart players. They both have a good feel for the game. Uh, they. I, I, I think they can learn to play off each other, and I just I don't get it. Like I feel like I feel like he's the better player prospect than Brandon Miller, where there that's been rumors about uh, them being interested in because the fit is better with the, the Hornets. I just think that's crazy that they would pass on on Scoot. Yeah, I I don't think there's a fit issue with with Scoot and Lamelo. Um, I mean, I, I don't know if necessarily you're maximizing. Scoot, I think LaMelo could fit next to him pretty easily. Uh, I, you know, I look at Scoot less like Derrick Rose and more like Dwayne Wade. Like, I, he definitely has, like, some really impressive passing chops to him. Like, he's he's a very nuanced passer for a kid his age. Um, I do think that his passing was flashier last year in the G League than this year, but I also think he probably had better spacing last year. So he, you know, there were more opportunities for him to, you know, make those like weak side, you know, kick out assists. Um, I think the for, reason for the dialogue between Brandon Miller and Scoot is not so much that like Scoot isn't this great prospect. It's that like Brandon Miller came in and kind of blew everybody out of the water and, and he's six, nine, he shot 40% from three on, you know, seven or eight attempts a game or whatever it is uh, while rebounding his butt off and just like posting crazy on off numbers. And I think people are almost like surprised by it because Brandon Miller came in. He was like the 15th ranked prospect coming into the year by consensus boards. Now I'm a little biased. I had him as a top five guy coming into the year. So like his rise isn't shocking to me at all. Um, you know, I did a, a full preseason pod on him and I was like, I don't get it. Like why are, this is everything every NBA team wants. Like, why are, is he not being talked about like this? And then he showed me parts of his game that I didn't think he had, like he wasn't known as a three point shooter coming in. Um, he was like a mid range guy. So he even has that aspect. He's he's like a good playmaker. There are a lot of legit reasons for Brandon Miller to be the second pick. I think he would fit terrifically with LaMelo, but Scoot would too. Um, you know, and, and I think having, uh, even Mark Williams there, um, defensively, you know, you can kind of worry less about any kind of defensive issues from like a small backcourt guard, even though Scoot is like the most ripped up player in the league when, once yeah. he steps on the floor and he's got a six, nine wingspan or something. So he's not he already small has by a any body means. of like a four year. Back. Yeah, he's he's absolutely insane. Uh, you know, we've had um, on the No Ceilings podcast, we've had uh, 
Ujetter, who's a member of the Ignite, on to talk about Scoot um, and the the Ignite prospects. Uh, we have Coach Jason Hart actually on the show as well um, this week, and you know his intel is is crazy. I interviewed CD Sissoko and broke down film with him from the Ignite. We talked about Scoot a little bit. Like everybody says nothing but positive things about Scoot. I do think that, you know, the worry about his jumper is legit. He got better this year, but, you know, you look in the playoffs at guards that are that small that can't shoot, not like a great track record, you know, as the best player, but um, there's still time for Charlotte to build that team however you build it. And, and, it's a great start. I, I think Charlotte's in a no lose scenario. Um, I think they have, you know, two really great players to pick from. And, uh, you know, it, it, the draft gets interesting at number three after that to see what Portland actually does. But Charlotte, I think no matter what they do, I think they're going to get a hell of a, hell of a player. How, how good do you think? Oh, sorry, go ahead. I just want to say real quick, like how, how good do you think, Brandon Miller realistically will be like, are we talking? I don't want to just suggest like random wings, but like, is he a, is it Paul George? Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. Like a Paul George. Like, is he, is he that type more likely or is he something lower than that? Like, what do you think his like realistic outcome is when you talk about his game? Yeah. I mean, I think if you're talking about his median outcome, you're probably not talking about, Paul George, right? But if you're talking about Scoot's median outcome, you're probably not talking about, you know, Derrick Rose either. So, but it, I think Scoot, I, I mean, I think Brandon Miller does have Paul George kind of potential. I, I do. Um, and, it, you know, I, I think if you look at his freshman season, it's like, it's super, super impressive what he was able to do. I mean, he was... I, he just did everything, <laughs> you know, he did everything you needed to do steal on a block, um, crazy three point volume, made plays for his teammates, got to the free throw line, rebound his butt off all the games that he struggled to score. He was doing other things, double digit rebounds, playmaking for everybody. Like he's just one of those guys that just is always doing something to help the team win. Um, and I think what a lot of times when we're evaluating guys and we compare them to like a Paul George or a Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown or something, we forget what those guys look like in college and where they were at like the similar point. We tend to just be like, think of like their fully formed evolved Pokemon that they are now and not like what they started as. And like, you know, Paul George was like a wild erratic shot maker with weird timing. Um, Jalen Brown was a disaster in college, you yeah, know, like, so like, like what's a Paul George compared to like Marvin Williams at one point? Like, yeah, like, you know, like these guys, they, they, they take time. And, and I think Brandon Miller um, is like more polished than like, I think he's more polished than Paul George was in college. Um, in a lot of ways, he's probably a little bit more polished than Jason Tatum was not as a scorer. I don't think. Uh, Cause I think Tatum has some advantages near the rim. Although Brandon Miller is definitely a better shooter, but like just the, the pace and the way that he makes plays and some of the passes he makes. Um, now Tatum's got better size, Paul George, probably a better frame, 
So that matters. Um, Paul George was like a, a definitely a better athlete. Brandon Miller's a good athlete, but Paul George was a you know a really great one. So there, are, you, you could pick and choose who has you know things that are better or worse. But I definitely think he's in that tier of prospect. Brandon Ingram, you know, a guy like that, like he was. I think Brandon Miller was much further along as a freshman. Now, with that said, too, Brandon Miller is a little bit older as a freshman. So that that matters when you're you're talking about these kind of guys. Uh, but I do think he's that kind of level of prospect. And you have to then ask the question, like, what's more valuable, right? Like if Brandon Miller is just like, let's say he doesn't reach like his ultimate peak, is it easier to fit him in as a number two option or a number three option next to a number one or a number two than Scoot? If Scoot doesn't hit. If Scoot doesn't hit, you know, are you like it makes it really hard to build a team around that type of player where he still takes, you know, uh, a high usage role and and that's going to lead to success based on, you know, the trends that we see. So um, because Scoot doesn't shoot. So yeah. if, Scoot, if Scoot doesn't shoot it, that makes things really, really difficult unless you have other really talented players. And, you know, Lamelo's a talented player, so maybe that's the kind of guy he could shoot it. He can, you know, move off the ball um, and he can kind of play any style you want. So uh, maybe that is actually a really good fit. Maybe it's a little bit better than like the Halliburton Fox duo that I think there will be some parallels drawn to. But uh, as far as Brandon Miller, I do think he's, he's kind of in that tier of like wing prospect of all those guys we talked about. So, um, Another, I know we had, I think we had talked about uh, these guys when you had come on last when we were just kind of getting our feet wet and about this draft, uh, the Thompson twins. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a little, I'm higher on Amin than Asher personally. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like Amin, like as far as his, his ability, like his athletic athleticism. Um, he looks like a guy that has some good PNR skills. Um Maybe you can pass the ball a little bit. I think shooting is probably a question mark, but I think my shooting might be a question mark for both of them. Um, like I think he's probably the fourth guy in this draft as far as prospects are concerned. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on both of those guys now at this point after you've seen more of them at, uh, since last we talked? And how how do you rank those guys? Um, and the uh, and then I have another follow up question after you ask um, answer that. Uh, I, I have Asar above Amen, which is not like the popular take most uh, Amen is, you know, a, a lot of people have Amen as the second best prospect in the draft, um, or the third best he's, he's typically because he is such an explosive athlete. Um, he measured six, six at the combine with a seven foot wingspan, which is actually better than expected. Cause I think last year at the overtime elite combine he had measured with like a six nine or a six ten wingspan um so that was surprising uh i mean the kid's got talent his athleticism is as dynamic as it gets his first step is pretty nuts uh that zero to 60 is is crazy um he's a really explosive quick leaper uh i don't know if you know he's like the Shaden Sharp gracefully clearing the top of the backboard guy. Like he gets up, but that's not the type of jump like leaper he is. Like he's like a point A to point B very quickly type guy. 
I, I'm a little skeptical of Amen because he's another guy that his shooting is like it's really bad. Like if we have questions about Scoot, like Amen shooting is really, really, really bad. Like he was like a twenty something percent three point shooter this year. Um, his free throw shooting wasn't that. Like he started like sixty percent at the free throw line. I think at and and overtime. Yeah, he. he I mean, he, but he really got cold because he he started out the year he was actually at like eighty some percent, and then he just, oh, wow, okay. um, and again, but and what's weird, like neither one of them really dominated the competition, which is weird because like, you know, that's the it's other a high school question league. I had. Yeah, that's <laughs> you know? the other question I had because how how does that league compare to these other leagues? That that's the thing. So I like like I like Amon, but it's like. How much can we uh, hang our hat on I, what he did in the in overtime? So I mean, I, I I've was lucky enough to get to go to their pro day. Um, I, I've seen them play live in a game setting as well. Uh, the training that they get in that league is phenomenal. Their facilities oh. are incredible. Uh, they have chefs. They have like top of the line equipment. They are you know. Um, taught how to like, you know, deal with media, um, you know, sponsorships, money, like all of that stuff. Like the, all of that stuff is top of the line. The actual gameplay like university. Yeah. <laughs> like, sense. you know, yeah. And, and that's kind of the direction I think that the league should take as a, like, um, kind of like the, the Euro centric model where it's like academies for building the future. Uh, the actual gameplay is you know some of the worst basketball you could ever possibly watch it's like it basically looks like the you know sixth run at la fitness where it's just you know throwing crazy outlets i have a shot Corey. (laughs) that's right (laughs) but uh yeah like so a lot of their numbers are like amen and asar especially um, are inflated because they played so much in transition. So like if you're on, if you go on synergy and you look at like their finishing numbers, you're like, Oh wow, these guys were great finishing at the rim. But then when you click on the half court, it's like, Oh, these guys were not good at finishing at the rim, you know, because they had so many open dunks in transition that it, it just inflated the numbers so much, but they really struggled when they were actually defenders around the hoop. Um, Amen is a guy who, you know, everybody says that he's, you know, the better passer than Asar because he typically has been the guy who plays point guard. Um, and I think his passes are a little, f- could be flashier. Like when he gets in the paint, he does like those like drop-offs and stuff. But like he averaged, he had less assists than Asar this year. He averaged less assists than Asar. Um, and I think Asar, like just functionally, like percentage-wise, yes, the shot is better. Um, but just mechanically you look at it you're like okay that is gonna work i question on men because i don't know if on men could play off of anybody i just don't know i like i'm willing to be wrong like he's a guy that i would gladly let another team swing on and if he becomes a superstar then he becomes a superstar we've seen guys who can who could who are really good passers with good size and feel like we've seen them succeed um without a jumper with Amen, though, like, I just, you have to build, to me, you have to build everything around him. 
Like he's got to be the the engine. He's got to be your Westbrook. He's got to be, you know, put in, in that kind of role and just given the keys and, and it's like, go. But at the same time, I look at the teams around, you know, where he'll get drafted. And I'm like, well, Detroit's got Cade. Um, Houston has Jalen green and maybe James Harden. Uh, we'll see like Indiana's got Halliburton Orlando has like Paulo and Franz as the creators. And then you have Fultz and you know, Fultz isn't a guy that you just say, you know, well, we have Markel Fultz, so we're not going to take this talent, but like Paulo and Franz are going to have the ball a lot. Um, you know, Portland, like they have Dame, <laughs> um, you know, like Charlotte, they have LaMelo. Um, and I think Amen is less likely to play off the ball than Scoot is. It's not until you get to like Washington that or, or Utah where I could really see is like good fits for Amen. Like Utah, I think would be a great fit because they play that five out so much space. I think it would play to his strengths, but like, I don't think he's the home run that a lot of people do. I think he's like really, really, really high risk. Um, where Asar is like used to playing off the ball. I think he's going to be a better catch and shoot threat. He's nearly as athletic, even if he isn't as like quick twitchy, but he like glides in the air in a, and he like moves in this smooth way that um, I think is really impressive. And I just buy him being a guy that like, even if he's not like your number one option, he could be a number two or three option in a way that I don't think Amen could be like to me. Amen's his development is just this was not the way the best way to develop those ancillary skills. Um, now, with that said, I've seen them work. They're crazy hard workers. They're awesome kids, um, super respectful, uh, and um, I might be doing a film session with them at some point next month, which okay. I'll be. You know, so we'll see. We'll we'll get to pick their brains, but. Uh, I'm I'm skeptical of Amen being the home run that he's been billed at as just because I think it's really hard to judge based on the league and what I've seen um, in the games up close at the pro day. I just think the shot's really, really far away. And like you can get away with it when you're playing against 16-year-olds as talented as they are because, you know, they are five-star 16-year-olds. But they're 16. And you can get away with that in the NBA. I don't know if you can get away with it. Is there, is there a player, if you had to pick a player outside of a lottery who you think has the most realistic chance of be, being an all-star, who would that be? Um. So it's probably going to be for me, I have this guy fifth on my board. Um, and my guy, uh, Nathan at uh, No Ceilings, he compared him, not stylistically, but in in the perception around him uh, uh, going into the draft. I, I love Bryce Sensabaugh from Ohio State. And mm. a guy, Nathan, compared him saying that he's kind of like the Alperin Shangoon of this draft, which I thought was like, such a uh, an awesome comparison. They're Sensabaugh is like a shooting guard, small forward. 
Um, so he doesn't play like Shangun, but they have like weird body types. Um, they're like so good and so productive at this young age that like people are like overthinking it. I, I think Bryce Sensabaugh like is a as good a bet as any to be an all-star type player. I think one of the things that, get, that gets really underrated um, come draft time because everybody gets enamored with the flash of like athleticism is just like size and skill. Like Bryce Sensabaugh is 6'6", 235, and he is one of the most skilled like freshman scorers I've evalu- uh, evaluated. He averaged um, 27 points per 40 minutes, 40 points uh, per 100 possessions, which is Zion territory. He had uh, – he shot 48% from the field, 41% from three, 83% from the line. Like the dude is just a flamethrower from everywhere. He to me is kind of like the evolutionary DeMar DeRozan um, in that he's an absolute mid-range mismatch killer, but he also shot 11 threes per hundred possessions and did it at over 40%. Um, I actually wrote about him and uh, the article was all about how he's basically went to the school of DeMar DeRozan mid-range craft and wizardry because you could literally mirror like the DeMar DeRozan mid-range stuff that Bryce has. And he has that already as a a 19-year-old. And he's so strong. He rebounds the ball. I just think these guys like succeed and these are the guys that play in the playoffs. Um, And I think if anybody is going to be an all-star outside of the lottery. I think he's got a shot because, you know, he's 235 and he needs to get in better shape. He looks to be in much better shape um, based on, you know, the pre-draft photos, which we love. He he looks like he's slimmed down some. And it's almost like, you know, the, like the Draymond bump where Draymond was out of shape and then he got into good shape and it helped him hit a new level. I, I think Bryce has that on top of the fact that he's just already like a super skilled, awesome offensive player who's hit these kind of uh, production benchmarks that I'm just like, what are we doing? Why is everybody overthinking this? Like, okay, he wasn't a a, a top 30 projected player coming into the year, but like all of his production says that he should be a lottery pick, a top 10 pick. I don't know why we're so like married and anchored into these big boards and rankings Mm. um, so much. Like when at the end of the day, NBA teams aren't looking. I mean, they're definitely looking at these at this stuff, but like they're not married to these rankings and big boards by any stretch. Like they have their own rankings. Like I, I think that Sensabaugh is a guy that is ranked outside the lottery now, but I, it wouldn't shock me if he actually did go inside the lottery um, on draft night. Yeah, that's what I was gonna like ask him because I I think there's a chance he might even like sneak into the lottery. But I I really do like his game. I think it's a really good choice. Like he. He's been so good at Ohio State. So he's so good. He's a monster. I was looking at uh, Tankathon mock draft, and uh, that that the rumored uh, obviously there's been talks about the Blazers potentially giving the Bulls that twenty third pick that they got from the Knicks to kind of get remove like get away from that since they owe, they owe us the pick to twenty eight. And Gigi Jackson was mocked at twenty third. <laughs> 
Oh, no. <laughs> I don't know. That was funny. <laughs> but I will. What I will say about the Bulls, uh, the Bulls future pick with the Blazers, is that I I spoke with a a, a pretty trusted source, and what I'll say is they're not going to uh, do anything to help the Bulls with with that protection. Is what I'll is what I'll say. Because <laughs> I know there was a lot of rumors about how like the Blazers would, you know, they wouldn't be able to make certain moves if the the Bulls, you know, if they don't lift the the protections or whatever. And uh, the very strong impression I got was there's always a way. So they're they're probably not going to be helping the Bulls in that regard. Well, I mean, if they make the playoffs, we get the pick. I mean, unless they're like the thing with the Blazers is like they 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 want to hold on to Dame. Um, so I mean, you can't keep punting like the next five years if you, if if the goal is like, oh, we we're not giving this pick to the Bulls. Like, well, you're going to have to at some point. If unless you're just blowing it up, that's different, right? If if they trade Dame and they say screw it, we're just gonna rebuild and and bottom out and at that point yeah we're probably not ever seeing that pick because realistically they could miss the playoffs for the next five years if they trade dame uh dame but i mean yeah well they, i think they don't the, protection oh yeah sorry, go ahead. yeah no, no, no. yeah i was gonna say like just the the protections itself like i think they had the option to remove it and that would give them flexibility and when I asked, they were like, no, that's not happening. Yeah. I mean, they're not removing the protection. It was more so like I said, you know, it's, hey, listen, we'll give you this next pick and uh, then we're done with this. So you give us back the pick, the picks moving forward. And I don't know, like, I know this draft is pretty deep and I think that could make sense for the Bulls. Like if, you know, there's a really good guy that you like in that range. And I know you named a few guys earlier that you think that could probably go in that range. Um I feel like it could be worth the Bulls while to at least, I mean, you know, obviously next year's draft isn't anything to really, you know, I'm just I'm thinking the top, it's more top heavy, if you will, not, and not just a heavy in a sense that has a lot of stars, but like just like more so like you can find guys in the top, but it's kind of probably whittles down after maybe even like the top five into a really like murky territory. Um, and then, 25 is this really good draft again, but again, who knows if they would get that Blazers pick in 25. It's just tough to gauge. And if you can have an opportunity to get a really nice, you know, player uh, that you think you could do that could develop into something good at 23, it could be worth the bulls to just do that. If that is an option. Yeah. If that's an option, yeah, I think great. <laughs> yeah. Just give it to us. Like just get it over. Then, <laughs> And if anything, if I mean, I again, I'm not for trading any more assets to make this team go from you know mediocre to just slightly above mediocre. Uh, uh, so I, I would not be up for trading stuff, but like if they wanted to, they could use also trade that 23rd pick with combination of something to make a team the, the team better in some sense or for more win now stuff if that's what they're still trying to do. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's gonna be really fascinating to see if the Bulls have any sort of movement on draft night, and if it's like really a precursor to to the all season in general. I mean, I I think there are things that they can do if they really want to get in this draft badly enough. I, whoever 
they actually pursue those things is another question. But uh, there, there are definitely routes like we talked about at the top that they could take. So uh, any so like any sort of cheap labor that they can get right now, I think would be extremely valuable given like how crunched up everything is at the moment, right? Yeah, I mean that's the the benefit of hitting on those kind of picks, right? Like you get these guys on uber cheap deals, and if you can get guys who give you minutes, that yeah. allows you know the kind of flexibility to do some other you know stuff to 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 help the team. So, I, I there's so many opportunities for them to get into at least the second. Um, I think that it just makes a ton of sense because there are guys in that range. I think that could earn minutes um, to, yeah, all through the second round too. Yeah. Some yeah. some guys obviously, you know, more projecty than others. Maybe some guys that will spend most of their time in the G League and developing and before they get called up. Maybe not guys who could help next year necessarily, but definitely guys like with talent where it's like, hey, no matter the direction, this guy might be on the team two years, three years from now, like on a, you know, cheap deal. So why not take a shot on that? If you, you find somebody that you actually believe in somewhat. Yeah, no, no, like, absolutely. Like, so these are the type of moves that they really need to to take advantage of, I think. So we'll, we'll see if, if they're successful in whatever they try to do movement wise in the draft. Corey, thank you so much, man, for, uh, for dropping by as usual and blessing us with some draft knowledge and just having these bulls conversations with you. I know you, I know you said in the past that you don't always get to talk like specifically about like, yeah. <laughs> always like a breath of, of fresh air sometimes from like all the hectic uh, draft talk during draft season. I wish it could be better given the current state of the team, but again, they, any Bulls talk, I think, is fun at, at, at this point. But uh, let our listeners know what you're working on. We know you're busy. We, we know draft season is here. So let them know what they can look forward to as no ceilings are starting to hit, it, hit the home stretch with draft season. And I, I know y'all are going to have some big things going on, on draft night as well. Yeah. Um, well, first, you know, you could follow uh, No Ceilings at, at No Ceilings NBA on pretty much everything. Um, TikTok, Twitter, YouTube. Uh, Instagram, whatever, whatever social media thing is there is. Uh, NoCeilingsNBA.com. We write every single day. Uh, it's completely free. You could subscribe to the site, uh, get it delivered directly to your inbox. We will be having um, next week, uh, so it'll be whatever the Monday is coming up. Um, we are releasing our 2023 draft guide. It'll be, I think it's going to be like 120 pages or so. Um, Our form is signing up for that, baby. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> uh, it's been a, it has been a, a lot of work because um, I've been handling uh, a good majority of the art for it and, and layout, but uh, it's absolutely phenomenal. Super, super in-depth on all of these prospects. Um, and, uh, you know, it's the, the thing that we, we work towards every year to make sure that if you want to get prepared for the draft, we could get you prepared for the draft with in-depth. You know, one of the pages will be like your in-depth read. And then the second page will be kind of a, uh, a cliff notes with some analytics and stuff. That's kind of the big project we have. There'll, there'll be merch along with that release itself. And, uh, 
yeah, uh, on the YouTube, we're, we're going to have a, a draft night stream. Uh, we're probably going to do a pre-draft show. You know, we got a ton of stuff going up. We have scattering reports on there, highlights, um, you know, film breakdowns. I've been breaking down film with prospects uh, over the last couple of months. So if you want to see guys talk through their film uh, with me, you know, we've, we've got that up and we're going to continue that through the rest of the cycle. So just... You know, we got every aspect of the draft covered over there, and um, you know, we're gonna keep it going. We keep it going through the summer. We hit summer league. We start talking about how these guys will fit on their NBA teams. So, really exciting stuff coming. Yes, check it all out. Like y'all are crushing it as usual. Um, I need to get my draft guide as well, so I'll I'll be looking forward to that. And the film sessions you guys do is fantastic. So check it all out. No ceilings always does a great job with the draft, and Corey is crushing it as usual. Celine, you got any final thoughts before we wrap up, man? Yeah, I mean, you know, can't say enough about Corey. Uh, they do great work at No Ceiling. They they grind like no one uh, out there. Like very few, you know, dra- draft people that do a lot of work. Um, they obviously the draft guide is is high level. Like they do so much work throughout the year when they're building that that bad boy up. It's it's worth every uh, penny. So. Uh, people that are interested in a draft should hundred percent buy that up. And it's fun. It's a fun thing to have. Like, I think like I was like, obviously we're all like sickos. So we get into like really learning about the players, but like um, it's, it's a really, you know, int- in- intricate and, and deep dive into a lot of these guys that you get a good understanding of and a good feel for. So yeah, hundred percent check that out. Corey's always, you know, awesome with the, the knowledge uh, on the bull side, and obviously, you know, we bring him on. We have to get his draft knowledge because, of course, he's just a lead in that as well. And we'll see what happens with the rest of these playoffs. And my last thoughts on that: I think the, the the Nuggets came back. They they were down double digits, and now they they have the lead too. It's a close game, but they have the lead now. So uh, let's see if they can uh, pack them pack up these Lakers in the sweep. Um, I mean, you got to give the Lakers at least a credit. They're not like the Celtics. The Celtics look like they're just like quitting. <laughs> the Lakers at least have like, you know, even these games that they've been competitive. They're they're fighting. Like, they're trying to win. Yeah, <laughs> the Nuggets are just a better team. They're just a much yeah. better team. That's the only difference. <laughs> they've been in every uh, single game, and like LeBron's been having a great game until until the fourth quarter, and now he's just kind of like whatever. But like, yeah, the Lakers have had a. The Lakers have had a chance to win every single game in this series. Like, it's kind of crazy. But Denver, like you said, Denver's just flat out better. And Jamal Murray has been playing, like, a top 20 player. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, Jamal Murray's like, showing that he's a playoff guy, man. Like, in the regular season, he's so, like, erratic up and down. I mean, I will say a game, what, two was, like, the most Jamal Murray game because he was awful for three quarters, like – just terrible on both ends of the court. And then all of a sudden he just becomes flamethrower. That's what I mean. He just, dude, you couldn't miss. Like, man, that, this is like the most Jamal Murray game ever. Like guy can't do anything good. And then all of a sudden just can't do anything bad. Yeah. Just, just playing with an unreal confidence, man. But yeah, this yeah. Denver Miami is going to be fun. I mean, assuming uh, two teams don't both come back from a three Oh deficit. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about putting money on that if, if it was possible. <laughs> just <laughs> with how unpredictable these playoffs have been, who knows, man? Uh, 
No, for real. No, but Jim Jimmy's packing them up, man. Jimmy's packing them up. Oh, you think you think Miami's gonna beat Denver? Oh no no no! Oh, Sorry, okay. I thought you meant uh, these. Uh, oh, my bad. Saying, I thought you were talking about the 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 Lakers and Celtics coming back. I mean, I, my bad. I mean, I don't blame you though. If that would be your prediction, like I feel like at this point you should just be all in on. No, Jimmy. I'm in all in. I'm rooting for it. I think like it's <laughs> funny though. Like I'll say this: I, I think Miami can win. Lakers, obviously, the Nuggets are the favorites. Um, they, I mean, I think they've been the only team that outside of Miami, to be fair. They've been the only team that's been consistently like just taking care of their opponent, um, and obviously their opponents have been like better. Like to be fair, like they haven't faced any team like the Knicks. Like that Knicks team, yeah, you know, not, not taking nothing away from Jalen Brunson, but like you know, it's not like that team was some kind of like like man, this is gonna be a tough series for for anyone that faces the Knicks. Like it's you know they they have a nice team, but they were a second round team at best. Um, so yeah, it, you know it's uh, the Snuggest team is definitely with with Joker. There they look like it's it's theirs to lose at this point. But you know everyone's kind of said the same. Like you know coming into the series against the Celtics, everyone's like, yeah, the Celtics are gonna pack up the Heat. And the heat of absolutely smacked them around. So we'll see. I mean, we'll see. Like Bam, and I'll, I'll give Bam. Bam gets a lot of criticism, but he's been damn good in these playoffs. Like he's he's you talk about top twenty guys. He's been a, he's been playing like a top twenty guy. Uh, been that legit number two for like Jimmy. Just been like this you know force on the defensive end and offensively he looks different too. Um, yeah. I think yeah. it's, it'll be it'll be a fun series regardless, and I think I can't I won't be too disappointed if Jimmy loses. I will be just because like he's my guy and I I really want him to win it. Um, and obviously the odds are against him because of the Nuggets are the favorites, but Joker winning a ring will be good too, just because all the Joker haters, you know, it will be fun to see them like crying about how. You know he doesn't deserve MVPs or like oh this isn't doesn't count or whatever nonsense they'll come up with uh, for for him winning a ring. There's gonna be some fun uh, gonna be some fun Bulls takes if Jimmy Butler wins a NBA championship as the eighth seed. <laughs> really for real though, man. It's uh, we'll see, we'll see. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, uh, that concludes today's Bulls Go. As always, you can catch our past shows wherever you get your podcasts. And you can always catch us right here on the Barroom Network. Thank you again to Corey Talaba of No Ceilings for dropping by. For Swing Sudo, I'm Edward Schuler. This has been Bulls Gold, and we will catch you next time, Bulls fans. Bulls Gold.